0: and Elizabeth, and this is Bridging the Divide, and we are talking about group dynamics today and how we incorporate scarcity and abundance through our emotions and how we reflect that to each other, and Elizabeth, you were telling me a story before we started recording about um, how scarcity was showing up in your life in a group you're in yes just summarize that a little bit more
1: yeah it, well you know it's a it's um thanks ruth and hi everyone
2: mm-hmm.
1: um it's a familiar group uh you know group of people who've known each other for a really long time and so there's those dynamics that are there and some some history and things like that and yeah and definitely i was the the person sort of in the middle that was um receiving the 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 way it felt to me was a lot of hate and anger and pent up stuff Mm -hmm. from somebody who's, who's also in a state where they're, they're struggling a lot right now. Mm -hmm. So it felt like an attack Mm
2: -hmm. and it,
1: it was an opportunity for me to have boundaries around that, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, um, you know, and now sort of just dealing with the aftermath because it's, it's interesting how when things like that happen and I'm sure everyone's had experiences like that, where they feel attacked to one extent or the the other, you know? Um, I think it's more not so much even the behavior that happens, but the, the fact that we end up feeling like we've just been attacked and abused and mm-hmm. whatever. So I think it gives us that opportunity to get really clear on where we say, okay, this is as far as that's going to go mm-hmm. kind of thing, especially in those longstanding relationships. But then dealing with that aftermath after the fact because mm-hmm. there's something that happens, at least it did for me, where there's a part, like, I don't know, your your walls go up and you're not really, it almost feels like you go into a state of shock and, and denial in a way of this actually just happened and what the heck just happened here, you know, and it's those few days after that where you're sort of processing those, those feelings. Yeah. Um, and then definitely the other person involved was sort of trying to. Uh, you know, not be in the middle, but also to be supportive to to both people, right?
0: Yeah. When you talk about it, I get this sense of um, how someone who's being martyred or targeted um, as an example, kind of to release the energy of the group, either by making fun of them or putting hate towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, how they can be feel like they're in the middle with bystanders surrounding them and then one person going after them or the group going after them. And then what I also heard you say is, is later the bystander in this, in this story um, really didn't want to be in the middle, didn't want to bridge it, didn't want to boundary it, just kept throwing their hands up and saying, I, I'm out of this, I'm, I don't want to be involved yeah by being there they are involved and by the relationships they are involved
1: totally totally and you know it's interesting because you know i was thinking of the word bystander as well but it's very very true like you think about situations you know where we talk about bully and the you know and the victim quote unquote and the bystanders even if there are people around who are not actively involved in the attack not actively participating Mm -hmm. as a part of a group attack that it is just one person when the bystander doesn't do anything or say anything it feels there's another layer of isolation there's another layer of whoa I'm really vulnerable here yes really vulnerable
0: I love that you're saying that and it's it, it mirrors for me a group situation I had last night that felt like what you haven't had to some degree yet or maybe this podcast and everyone listening can be part of that healing maybe for you (laughs) and just witnessing that you you got targeted and um and that's painful and it hasn't been resolved and last night someone who was targeted in a healthcare work environment um Uh, openly discriminated against by somebody in leadership um, and then privately discriminated against by the same person in leadership. Uh, They came in for this group that meets regularly and um, were describing this very wounding situation and the group did this very amazing thing to me very intuitively where there were five of us in the room and two of us took on the emotional very natural reactions of just literally writhing in our chairs um, with how upsetting it was to hear what had happened on so many levels not just like that we knew this person to some degree and we cared about them deeply um, but also that this made the world not feel safe to us at a whole other level yeah because what had happened to them could happen to us and what they were describing was that when there was public discrimination going on Um, There had been a meeting at work where they had been invited to um, share their feelings by a therapist. So then this triggers me at a whole other level. A therapist in this organization had told, multiple therapists had said, we know you're having a really hard time here. There's been layoffs of like very diverse and inclusive people and, and we want to like, We want you to share. We want you to talk about how hard this is. So we're going to have this big group for the company and and you get to like speak up and we're going to support you. And they opened the circle and they said, this is a safe environment and we really want to hear what isn't working for everyone. And this person shared, which was very out of character for them and said, microaggressions are happening all over the place. This is not okay and nobody said anything and
2: then
0: then the group dynamic was so awkward because nobody was speaking up. Probably everyone was in shock because they never heard this person publicly speak up and, and hold that courage and voice, but it got changed very quickly to producing product for the company as a conversation instead of actually addressing the pain of what this person was saying. Wow. And that was the first layer. And then the second layer was then their direct um, supervisor who targeted them for like hours afterwards privately. And
1: oh my gosh.
0: It was just so wounding. And so here was this group immediately afterwards going, how do we how do we digest this with you in a way that unravels some of the toxins of this? Mm-hmm. And the other two people, one of them very beautifully held a, a coaching role, um, mostly just holding ground and being um, very, like, zen-looking while everybody was upset. And then um, another person was very quiet but very charged up, like physically red throughout much of the listening. And whenever we would check in with them, they just said, I feel invigorated by this. This is amazing. I'm just so into what's happening. And I'm wow. and, and it wasn't one way or the other. It was just like, this is amazing. Yes. And so there was a passion in it that gave us a sense of, okay, we are upset. We're angry. We're sad. So, so sad. And somebody is holding just awe and joy and curiosity here. And then the other person who was holding the ground felt like they jumped up into this butterfly and landed on the person who was wounded and just said, I see that you went through a very painful storm today and it feels like you're the flower that burst out of the ground and, and you grew in an amazing way and you did something beautiful with this. And it's not okay what happened to you. And I hear that you're really proud of yourself and you're in your power on the other side.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And that, like that. whole circle was just like, so it just was so beautiful to me and such a relief.
1: Yes. Because, because you do need that. Like what you're saying, you need that combination. It can't be all when somebody has, has gone through something traumatic and, we're in a position to serve and be present for that person. It can't be all rah, rah, let's move on. What's the gift and how are you transforming? Mm -hmm. Because like you were saying earlier, it minimizes or diminishes what actually happens. So there needs to be space Mm
2: -hmm.
1: to, to empathize, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, and to connect with the person in that space with the view, like holding the vision, which it sounded like. One and two of those people were actually really holding that vision,
2: yeah.
1: while a couple of others were
2: uh, honoring. I the role. I was like yeah.
0: crying half the time, oh, oh, and the other person was in the rage role. Mm. They literally like took their hat off of them and threw it on the ground. Very like this wasn't like ceremonial. This was like this is the least harm I'm going to do to illustrate how oh, angry I feel. Yeah. And then at the end, when we talked about how mental health had been brought in as an abuse factor here, as a, you are mentally broken, therefore I'm justified in what I'm doing to you. Yeah. As, as what a part of the wounding that had happened earlier that day, um, I took my shoe off and threw it on. It's the- <laughs> <laughs> not, not okay. a mental health professional. Yeah. I just feel, I feel like rolling up my sleeves and jumping it. I'm just like, you do not, nobody, nobody, mental health professionals or anybody else ever get to say anything like that to anybody.
2: No,
1: no, oh. like it, you know, there's such a fine line between understanding where somebody is coming from and what might be going on for them, like say from a mental health perspective or whatever, and still honoring that there's a capacity there for understanding what they're doing and for, for growth and all that kind of stuff instead of making an assumption. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If I'm, if I'm making myself clear, it's a very fine line. Yeah. And what you're saying with one of the people in the group, you know, holding that curiosity and saying, this is really great, not in a, oh, what's the matter with you? Yeah. This is a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um. This is an amazing experience for things to evolve out of mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, is a really important component Mm -hmm. of that but there is it's a balance right it's got to be very intuitive Mm -hmm. and very very conscious and present Mm -hmm. it really does and then once you're explaining when we talk about your model Mm -hmm. you know and the abundance and scarcity and all of those different aspects of it what we were I was saying earlier is that it almost seems as though all of the roles that tend to happen or get played in these kinds of scenarios are very natural but the difference with what happened in your group mm-hmm. is that there was levels of consciousness even if it wasn't like deliberately i'm applying this aspect of the model or whatever mm-hmm. it was a commitment to being present and conscious with the the group as it unfolded mm-hmm. and so then those roles naturally played out in their highest capacity mm-hmm. Is what it sounds like happened.
0: It was, and it was such a teaching for me that I feel like I will be digesting maybe for the rest of my life on how to honor with scarcity emotions the wound. It felt kind of like we were cleaning the wound out with with salt water, tears, and fire of anger yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I love that. You're washing it out.
1: I love that. What a beautiful yeah. analogy.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then and then the roots, you know, the the invigorated person, like just being able to physically see some a blush kind of on their their face and their demeanor of like they were feeling so much passion, but whenever we checked in with them, they were just radiant and smiling and they're like, This is amazing. And and I thought about how the bystander from a place of witness becomes the roots, the connector, and becomes Charging their batteries. This person looked like their batteries were just totally charging up. Yes, um, and it was from a joyful, trusting, curious, very safe place.
2: Well,
1: it's the holding the vision, right? Yeah, like, this is possible. This can yeah. be healed. Yeah, we can move through this. Yes. And I guess the one piece that pops up for me is that the people who aren't involved in the discussion we're having are the people who perpetrated the people who who behaved in a way that created the harm so there's the other layer right how does how does this get extended to include the people who are consciously subconsciously unconsciously behaving in ways that create the harm or or that poke at the wound because then then it comes full circle right then the
0: healing is really complete So the full circle for that actually was, um, this was the second time I had heard this story. The first time I had heard this story, maybe for the first time in my um, career, I would, maybe, yeah, it it was, it was very extreme what was happening a few hours before where I was, I was listening to the story and, and, just feeling my reactions to it. And these fantasies were coming into my head about being really violent with my office space. Like I just kept having these violent fantasies of grabbing objects and destroying them. And eventually I had to express the fantasy to stay still in my chair and just say, I'm really intrigued by how, how vivid these fantasies are.
2: Yeah.
0: And, um, the person who was talking about the wound, their wound, was, was mostly expressing gratitude for that and, and explaining how validating that felt. And at the same time, what I realized was that was the first piece, was to confess the fantasy and put words to it. The second piece was to channel that energy into my own work and recognize that I'm the perpetrator too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I got to do was remember a recent experience around diversity where my gut tells me that I microaggressed the person who was sharing. I, my brain can't quite nail down how I did that or what I did, but my gut doesn't feel good
2: with it. Uh It feels
0: like my nonverbals, something about what I did shut them down and kept them from continuing to teach and express the macro level wound around the minority status they held. Right. And so I told this to the person too. I said, I get to not pretend that you're the victim and I'm innocent and I get to yeah. be the hero and fix this. I get to remember that there's this situation that happened a couple of weeks ago where I think I've harmed. And I haven't addressed that. I haven't followed up on that. Yeah. So what I want to do is use the fuel of this fire, use the fuel of my sadness that this has happened to you and that this can happen in the world at all, and use that to reach out to this person and check in with them and just say, here's the information I have. And I want to say I'm sorry. I don't know completely what I did, but I want you to know that well, you could feel know, it. You know, and yeah. my body tells me I did something that was hurtful. And so I'd like to check in with you and see how you are. Yeah. And you don't have to make it better or explain it to me, but I want you to know I'm sorry from the, from my gut, from my, from my sadness, and I'm curious yeah. how I can do that
2: better.
1: Yeah, and I love that because you're taking a self-loving stance with yourself. Yeah in the wake of recognizing, oh, I may, have, I may have responded in a way or behaved in a way that, that wasn't what I wanted to do and could would be seen as perpetuating a, a harm or a wound. Yeah. Because yeah. I think when we practice that with ourselves, when we identify that we've done something that could be harmful, that makes it easier than to practice that same loving energy with other people. And that is the only way. Yeah. That things are going to really heal, because it can't be, and like as you well know, it can't be. Oh, you've you've created harm for this person. You you bullied this individual, and now I'm going to bully you to put you back in your place, and then somebody else is going to. That it just it's a vicious circle. So we have yeah. to somehow bring the combination of a loving energy combined with the you know view towards personal responsibility. And I think that we we create, we have opportunities to practice that with ourselves all the time. Yeah. Right.
0: And, and what I what I loved about the idea of it felt like rocket fuel had been sprayed all over my office and I was wanting to become the fire to like burn it down. And instead it was like sucking up that rocket fuel and letting it light a flame in me and feel the burn on purpose and say, I get to take responsibility for any place in me that I could feel where I have participated in this aggression process mm-hmm. and, and use it to propel me forward to clean it up and take that self-responsibility and offer my, my contrition and curiosity. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm saying it to you right now, I'm realizing that a part of me was just cooking with it and say, maybe when I understand it, then I'll give a good apology and I have to wait until I understand it.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And I wonder full circle, um, and we're probably, we should close up here soon, but full circle, I wonder if the person who aggressed you or was abusive towards you is in a similar place.
1: Thank you, Ruth, because I'm, sure I'm sure that this person is. But they're trying to understand it. They're not sure what to say. Yeah, they might yeah. still be feeling anger or, you know, or justified in, in whatever. So I keep coming back to what's my place
2: right.
1: in yeah. it. And, and I, I feel like my, my first line of responsibility is to myself yeah. to be sure that I feel safe yes. and that I don't willingly put myself into, yeah. into the line of fire yeah. again, yeah. just to try to, you know, because I, I'm also analyzing, did I say something the wrong way? Did I do X, Y, and Z? And it's like, oh, you know, even if I did, that that's okay. You know, there's a whole other way of having a conversation that didn't have to go to where it went. And so now it is what it is, right? But, you know, I want to keep the door open and I want to have a loving stance. So a lot of it's an internal kind of process, probably for both of us right now. I don't know what's going on there. But for me, it's kind of like when I feel anger come up or I feel like that rage inside myself come up to retaliate or whatever it might be i'm just practicing the forgiveness and practicing finding a soft place for it to to go and to see what i'm learning from it and you know what it's got there for me as far as my own personal growth
2: yeah I love you know that. that's beautifully
0: put and I, and i want to just recognize that as you are practicing that self love and and growth and care with yourself that that is the next step that that you understanding or having compassion for the aggressor might be bypassing your own compassion for yourself. So staying with you and your process in the wound is the first step. Yeah. And um, for for my growing and learning, I, I was musing out loud there of just recognizing that they I, I think this is like a Buddhist phrase, forgiveness is the fruit of understanding. And I love that phrase because it, it makes me realize that I felt like I couldn't say I'm sorry and seek forgiveness until I understood what I had done. And I'm realizing today after this group last night and, and, and hearing your story is that this person in, in your life may never understand it, but he could still say he's sorry.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think, I think that he will. I think that he will. And, you know, but in the meantime, in the in
0: meantime, the, yeah. <laughs> I'm also just realizing right now, I may never understand what I did and the person that I microaggress may never understand what exactly the microaggression was because my guess is, is that it was nonverbal. Mm-hmm. more than it was anything I said. And neither of us might understand it, but me offering an apology and, and, and a naming my emotions could still do some reparative process. And For sure it could. Around just yeah. saying, I don't like what happened there. I don't feel good about it. Yeah. And I feel like I misused my power with you. And, and I'm sorry. And I want to know how you are.
1: It does make a huge difference because, you know, I, I experienced something like that um, last summer, I think, with a very long time friend, you know, almost our whole entire lives. And I couldn't, I didn't really know exactly, couldn't really quite figure out what had happened, but I knew the next day. And so I said to her, something happened, something happened last night. And, and I said, I think we had a funny energetic exchange there of, you know, Um, what occurred between us and it felt hurtful and I don't want to feel upset with you and I don't want you to feel upset with me I don't want to be angry I don't like that's not how I feel I love you Mm -hmm. and we resolved it in that moment and it was not anything that needed discussion any further Mm -hmm. it was just something happened something didn't feel right and we never feel this way about each other and so then that was it and Mm -hmm. and then it was fine we carried on there was no weirdness Mm -hmm. after that
0: and so thank you. This is such a lesson for me in that the in analytic part of me, the macro level part of me wants to be the eagle in the sky and understand all the details of what I did wrong before <laughs> I go try to repair. And that especially in my own blind spots, knowing all the details is somewhat impossible. And part of the sacrifice here might be the vulnerability to not know what's coming when I say hey how was that for you there's a fear in me that if I say that yeah. I'm going to get a really honest answer and then I'm going to be really ashamed of myself
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and I get to really wrap myself in that self-love and and so I can take some of that and really breathe into it and hold boundaries you know if, if they get abusive in how they yeah. say you know, you're such a representative of all that is wrong with power or whatever. Then I get to say, okay, I'm going to hold differently here. And I also get set boundaries with it. Yes. So.
1: But it's such a conscious place to be, Ruth, yeah. because you're, you're thinking ahead of time. This is, this is the kind of communication I want to offer. Yeah. And the space I want to create. And how am I going to make sure that I'm safe in that? Because I don't know what that's going to be. Yeah open the door to or what will happen or what I'll hear and what you know and then you've got the opportunity to work through some of those potential potential responses or possibilities before you go into it and that is self-love yeah and and it's beautiful and when we think about the individual and the group the individual in the organization or the individual and a couple of other people whatever it might be Mm -hmm. and do sort of our different approaches, Mm -hmm. I think it's a beautiful example of how that works it's Mm -hmm. like yes we start with creating the space inside of ourselves mm-hmm. and that has a huge impact on the way then that we interact and connect with the people and the spaces around us
2: yeah. and
1: whatever it is we're working through.
2: Yeah. Mm,
0: so rich. Thank you, Elizabeth.
1: Thank you, Ruth. That was awesome and nice. very
0: helpful. <laughs> okay. So next time we're going to try to pick up where we had left off and you're going to be talking about addictions. And- it, was the,
1: it was the Canadian Ontario mental health, uh, some initiatives that they're, putting into place as far as quality assurance and revamping their systems and stuff. So we'll get into that next time.
0: I will look forward to it. Perfect. Me too. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you.